Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome into the show. Jim Martin here, joined by Greg Gonzalez. Greg, um, glad you're here today. Brad is on vacation. We're going to be switching up the format slightly today. We're going to be doing a deep dive into Greg's practice, how he got started, where he's at today and what his vision for the future is and some of the mistakes he's made along the way and obviously lots of successes. So you're not going to want to miss the show. But uh, before we get started, just want to mention that uh, we how you can connect with us. You can go out to EliteAdvisorLab.com. That is uh, a virtual mastermind group of advisors. It's capped at 30 members. And these are uh, this is a great opportunity. If you want to get better about what you're doing, connect with us, learn from us, get, get really, really intimate about what we're doing, how we're doing it, the deliverables, the systems, the processes, and really supercharge your business. I encourage you to go out to EliteAdvisorLab.com and join up with some amazing people. Oh, the other really cool thing uh first 30 days you can test drive it if you like it uh stick around if not you can uh you can cancel it in 30 days no cost yeah i know you had uh you had something you want to talk about here yeah big announcement um is is june 1st so uh so hey if you're not a member uh, of the elite advisor lab go to elite uh, advisorlab.com you know join for at least the first 30 days so you can be a part of the June 1st presentation. We've all been asking for Jim's sales process. There's, you know, it, it's a very detailed, very seamless uh, approach to turning a prospective client into a client. And Jim is going to detail this. I've been waiting. Uh, Brad's been waiting. We've all been waiting. What is Jim's sales process? And that's going to be on June 1st, but it's you know only available to Elite Advisor Lab members. So so go sign up, start your, your uh, 30-day free trial so you can uh, learn from Jim that day. Great. Yeah, hope, hope to see a lot of folks out there. It's going to be great. And uh, Greg, let's just jump into your practice. Um, how long have you been an advisor? Yeah. Um, so I got, uh, got license. I started off as a administrative assistant for a couple, um, for a group of advisors. And, um, that was in 2011 is when I officially got licensed. Uh, 2009 is when I started. So, um, so I kind of learned the ropes on the administrative side for a little while. Um, then kind of jumped, um, into becoming a full-blown advisor starting, you know, 2011, 12-ish. So now, what kind of made you, you started as admin, did you have a vision of wanting to be an advisor before that? Or did you just kind of, were you looking for a gig and found this one? Yeah, no. So, so I always kind of knew, um, I, I'd, I'd want to be an advisor. I was, uh, my, my grandparents did really, really well. Um, and they, they had a not so good advisor and I was kind of looking at, you know, the money they had accumulated and that kind of thing. And they, uh, they got into retirement and, uh, they called their, their broker one day and he was at Dean Witter and they said, Oh, that guy, he's been retired for six months. And so anyway, they were kind of shopping at the the most critical time in their lives for a new advisor. Um, So anyway, I I, I was kind of helping them and, 
you know, I was uh, started off as an administrative assistant, getting my master's in finance and economics. So I was kind of still, I was working eight to five, but then, you know, from six to 10, I was getting my master's uh, three or four days a week uh, for the first couple of years there. So. Oh, awesome. And then um, how long, how long were you uh, in the administrative assistant role before you became an advisor? It was, it was about the two year mark is when I started, uh, you know, sitting for the exam. So, you know, and then I, I probably worked for another six months or a year as a licensed um, assistant uh, before transitioning uh, into, into full blown and just kind of on my own, um, you know, at that point. So, so you really paid your dues. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was kind of the agreement too, is, Hey, I'll, I'll be a, an administrative assistant. I was making $10 an hour starting out with a, a bachelor's and <laughs> five of a, yeah, 10 bucks an hour to be in. Yeah. So how bad do you want to be in this business? Well, I was, I was, I wanted to be in this business bad enough where I'd, uh, you know, pay my penance and, and work for 10 bucks an hour with the agreement that I'd become licensed. You're making a little more than an hour now, you think? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I think it paid off. That was a, a really good investment of your time there. And then, yeah. so you, you became an advisor. Now, did you, when you became an advisor, were you a service advisor? Were you running your own book? How did, how did that look? Yeah. Becoming an advisor. Um, so I, I was just on my own, man. So I, I was, uh, there was, there was, uh, another advisor that was older that I kind of, you know, somewhat teamed up with. Uh, to utilize his gray hair in the very beginning, because I, I, I did, I mean, I was literally fresh out of college at that point, 23, 24, you know, whatever I yeah. was. Um, but, uh, so I, I, I did kind of partner with that, another, that other advisor for, like I said, to utilize their gray hair to, to kind of close business faster, but, but truly, you know, in the independent space, I was able to, you know, work, uh, have an, have an outside business activity. And so I was doing work outside of, you know, my advisory practice. Um, and that's kind of what paid the bills in the very beginning. Yeah. it's awesome. And then, um, you know, when you were, when you were doing this, you know, the reason I wanted to get into your history a little bit before we get into where you're at now is, you know, in the elite advisor lab, I'm kind of struck by the, um, by the, the kind of the, the, the range of advisors we have in there. We have people that are, you know, 22 years old, not 22, 24, I think is our youngest member. And then we've got people, you know, in their fifties. So it's a huge range of ages in there and people that are starting out kind of just like you, which is fascinating. And, um, you know, when you, when you look back, uh, from where you are today to where you were then, like, how did you, how did you like meet clients? Like what, what was that process like? Because you were a young guy, like, where do they come from? I, I mean, I, looking back, I, I did everything, uh, possible that I could think of. Um, so it was anything and everything. And so I can't, you know, as I look back at my list of clients that are, that are still with me at this point, I can't identify like, Oh, 90% of them came from seminars right. because th that that's, that's totally not true. Um, but, but I did everything from, um, never done door knocking. I, I know there's some companies that do do that. Um, but I, I didn't. But I did mailers. I know they say well, you mail, you fail. I, I I did that uh, and had some actually had some success. Um, seminars were, were a huge part. I would do um, a, a lot of uh, workplace uh, financial education. That I, anybody that would have me in, I, I would go there, whether there were ten people or a hundred people. I did I did marketing. Um, you know, mass mass media marketing. Um, I, I've done almost everything, Jim. Almost kind of like you. 
kind of like you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fascinating when you start and I think you, you can tell me if this is true or not, but you know, when you start, you don't have enough clients to keep you busy. So really all you have is time. Like you, you, yeah. you, you just have enormous amounts of time, but eventually you get to the point where you begin to, maybe you don't have as much time as you had before because you're essentially, you've got clients and demands and other things. So using that time wisely and just continuing to prospect like crazy is, is there now your business is, um, is different than mine in ways that I really appreciate. You're, you're very disciplined about the clients you take on. How was that in the beginning though? Like were, were, were did you have the fog, the mirror test when you started or were you always uh, disciplined? Like, Hey, if you don't have, let's say $250,000, you can't work with, uh, with Greg. How did you, how did you, was this a chicken and the egg, I guess, kind of example. When did you get to that point? Yeah. So starting off as an administrative assistant, I was able to see multiple different independent advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess that's my downfall, if you will, is I've only been able to witness, uh, you know, personal, firsthand independent advisors. I've never been in a captive environment. I've never had sales quotas. You know, I'm independent. So, I mean, you kind of grow at your own will. So there's there's no production quotas or really what they're or, or is sales quotas uh, call it what you may. Yeah. Um, so but but I got to see different uh, independent uh, advisors and in, in the practices they had. Some of them had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients, and had everything from a thousand dollar Roth IRA all the way up to the you know the ten million dollar trust and everywhere in between. And and I, I did see some advisors just just from a, a servicing aspect is, you know, they're pulling their hair out with, uh, you know, all the C and D clients and all the services they entailed. And they're the ones that seem to be always wanting distributions and that kind of thing. And I, I was the, the service assistant. I was the administrative assistant. I was, you know, servicing and, and kind of looking at, okay, how much time am I spending? You know, if, if you break down your, you know, the book of business, A, B, C, and D, however you want to do that, from the administrative assistance point of view, how much time am I spending on the A's versus the D's? And I, and I can tell you that your admin's going to spend a lot more time on the D's. At least that was my experience. And there were a lot more of the D's right, right. than there were the A's. Just, I mean, that that's right. That's how it works. So I kind of had a, a taste in my mouth, so to speak, um, as I entered this business. And I said, what if we did it the other way? What if what if we focus more on the, the A's and the B's um, how much more productive could we be? And that's kind of been the the way I've wanted to, you know, to run my business. So, so what I asked this question, knowing the answer already, but what, what did your family think about this decision? You're, you're out of college, you take a job making 10 bucks an hour, then you're going to become an advisor making less than that because, you know, golly, you go from, at least you had 10 bucks an hour when you were an administrator and now you're going on commission only. What, what, what did your dad say to you? <laughs> yeah. He, he said, you know, you're out of your mind. He's like, you, you know, <laughs> you got a master's degree and you know, you're working for yourself. And before that, now I didn't tell him I was making, you know, a measly amount of money. Um, but, uh, he just saw the nice building that I was in and assumed that, oh, okay, he's making okay. But, um, my folks, they come from, uh, they're, um, they were state workers, retired state workers. So they've got pensions and, you know, never really earned a whole heck of a lot, but they had good benefits as far as health insurance and, and pension benefits. So, but they didn't have an entrepreneur, uh, spirit to them. You know, yeah. they were not business you know, owners and, um, they, they, 
And and when I told my dad, you know, what I was spending on marketing, uh, you know, those first five years, he thought, you're out of your mind. What if you get no return? He goes, you're going to spend all that money on a seminar? He goes, what if nobody signs? He always says, signs up with you. Like, <laughs> what if nobody signs up to you? Like, you get that money back? Does the restaurant give you that money back? Or the... I said, no. I said, it's a risk you take, you know. Um, I said, but... Um, I said, the reward is so much greater than the risk. And I'm at a time in my life, you know, early twenties where, Hey, I, I, I can take the risk, right? I don't have a wife and kids and all these expenses. I don't have child support and all that kind of stuff. So I um, didn't have, you know, much of any student loans. So my expenses were practically nothing. Um, it, but yeah. I had all the capacity and the, the willpower. So I love it. And you know, parents and family, they, they, they say this out of love, right? Like they, they love you and they, they, they want you, they don't want to see you mess up, right? They want to see you get on a good path with a, a good tension and, you know, live right. a, live a great life. Of course, I know now your, your folks look back and say, wow, like our son is like, you know, he's a, uh, he's a high roller now. So they, <laughs> their perceptions obviously changed a little bit as you're like, as, as your income is accelerated, but it's a fun, fun story to tell just because it's, I think it's one that many of us have gone through. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that question, like, should I go get the salary job for $50,000 or $70,000? Or should I, you know, should I be a sales guy? And let's make no mistake. This is a sales guy. Did you, did you know, or sales position? Did you know that going in Greg or were your eyes wide open on what it was going to take? Or were you, were you pretty surprised? No, I, I, I kind of knew. Um, and, and quite frankly, the, the, the decision was really e easy for me at the time because you know, think back 2009, there weren't a whole hell of a lot of jobs in the spring of 2009. Uh, right. In fact, there were, the unemployment rate was low. Who the hell wanted to hire, you know, a, a college kid right out of a college at that point. So I was happy to have that $10 an hour uh, yeah. job and, and with, with a, uh, a career path leading forward, Hey, this is the agreement. You can get licensed and um, you can be up and running. So, um, no, I was given the, the situation at the time, you know, I, I was happy, but, um, but yeah, I knew, I knew this was, I knew what I was getting into. And, and quite frankly, I was looking around at, you know, other successful advisors in the business. And you know what I thought, if that guy can do it, I'm smarter than him. I, you know, I, I'm younger than him. I can work harder than him. Then if he can do it, I can do it. Hell yeah. So that was That's exactly that was always my mentality. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I did, you know, you and I kind of entered at the same time in the business and, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I was out looking for job. I still remember this and I know this is not about me, but I got to share this story cause I think it'll make you laugh, but yeah. I worked for, I worked for bank, um, bank, I won't name the name, but it's a bank across America and I got laid off and, oh. um, you know, I was a senior vice president there and I think I was making, you know, almost 200 grand a year. And then I, I went through a divorce. I moved back to this small town, like this small area. This is where my ex-wife lives. And I, I could not recreate my income. Like it wasn't yeah. possible. My, the job I had did not exist here. So I went down and I started applying for branch manager jobs at banks. I, these jobs were paying like 40 grand a year. Wow. And they would not hire me, Greg. Like they're like, no, no, you're overqualified or we don't think you're a good fit and all this other stuff. So, you know, it's amazing that I still remember that time at that time period in, in the world, you were just happy to have a job like right. 10 bucks an hour or, 
you know, I got hired, I got hired by the green machine, but, um, yeah, so everything's, everything works out for a reason. So good, good for you for, for recognizing that. So good. So that, that you started from scratch, um, which is, I just think is a huge testament to you and what you're trying to do. And you, you were pretty disciplined from the beginning. Um, like let's, let's talk about where you're at today because fast forward, you know, a decade later, um, I mean, you're, you're in the top 1%, right? Like you're, you're running a hell of a practice now. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I've done, I've done pretty well. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's been with a lot of work. Um, it, uh, you know, and I think Jim, you had said this in the past, um, with this mentality of no one's going to outwork me. So it's, if, if, if that guy with 2 million bucks, if he wants to come on a Friday night at six o'clock, I'll be there. You know, I, yeah. I will, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of Saturdays and, and so many, so many of these, these, uh, younger advisors nowadays, they, they don't understand, um, what's expected in the first five years just to, to get lift off, right. To right. get you to, um, to a state where, Hey, this is, uh, the machines running itself. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a heck of a lot of work. And, and now, I'm finally at the point, and Jim, we've talked about this doing the, the podcast, but I'm excited. Um, in two weeks, I, I've got an associate advisor that's that's starting. Um, so it's not just me being the only advisor in the office. Yeah. So um, it's about time. I'm, um, uh, and I think there's a lot of advisors that that probably say, you know what, I could really use an associate advisor or a junior advisor, whatever you want to call them. But they don't. They either don't want to pay for them, or they they kind of think, no, things you know, things are pretty good status quo. And I think that decision right there kind of holds them back. What do you think? I, I agree, and uh, you know, I think I want to I want to get your sense on this, where you're at, and your 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 your, your kind of trajectory. But you know, I think advisors lie to themselves a lot. Like, let, let's be honest. Like, if you've been in the business and you had three and a half million dollars a year after ten years, you're you know you're probably at forty forty five million dollars with a little growth, and you're you know maybe you're netting three hundred thousand. So you feel like you're an expert. <laughs> like all of a sudden, yeah. just because you make a lot of money, you feel like yeah, I'm really successful in this business, and I'm I'm the I'm the man or the woman or what you know whatever. Um, and, and and that's tr- there's a lot of truth to that. Like I don't want to take anything away from anybody that is is on that on that path because there's a lot of ways to do it. But the fact is, you know, you, you can build an incredible life doing this. And one thing I've really, I've enjoyed getting to know you, Greg is like, you've not settled. Like you're, you're, you're a hundred million dollar plus with a small number of clients. Like in your margin is huge. You're living the dream. You don't have to continue to grow. Like right. you don't have yeah. to, but what the hell else are you going to do? Like, wh- why, why be in business if you're not going to be in business? Like, you know, this is not, you're not running a hobby practice. So how do you keep, how do you stay focused? Like h- as you're continuing to grow, how are you staying focused? Even though you're making, you know, you're making more than 95% of the advisors that are practicing. How are you continuing to stay growth oriented? Yeah, it's um for me, um I I'm I'm raising the bar. It's always about how do you how do you keep raising the bar? And so by, you know, for example, uh bringing this associate advisor on is going to free up a lot of my time, a lot of my capacity. Um I can also raise the bar on my client minimums and and quite frankly, I've it's not that I get bored with, you know, um you know the the clients that I outgrow just because their their situations are um 
are more simplistic in nature. Um, but, but I like a challenge. It, the, the, the more and more I get into this business, you know, I, I've been working on this um, big client recently, prospective client, and I'm actually talking to him this afternoon, finalizing our, you know, our arrangements. But, uh, you know, three fill, three or four million bucks and the plan took me a long time to... So I, I just, uh, I think just upping the bar in my mind and and raising my goals. So I am, that's one of the things that I've been big on is always every single year, I've got my goals laid out and I have a plan come hell or high water, I'm going to accomplish those goals. And Love I it. can kind of track every quarter. Hey, am I on target? Am I running behind? What do I need to do? Do I need to throw more money at marketing? Do I need to tweak something? Um, so I'm very like hell bent on accomplishing those goals. So that's it. just, that's a, uh, it's just, just like a professional athlete, you know, they say, Hey, I've, I'm <laughs> one of my goals is to make the pro bowl. I want to have, you know, however many reception yards I want to have, you know, however many, uh, touchdowns, you know, like a, a wide receiver, um, yeah. same thing with running backs. They, they want to know, Hey, am I going to be that, uh, what 2000 yard season is, is good for running backs. Um, that's how they measure. Um, that that's how I've always done it. Yeah. I love it. You know, it, it kind of, um, you, you mentioned professional athlete there. And I, I thought about before we were going to record this, I began to think about like some of the questions I was going to ask you and one of the things I've always appreciated about you, you, you know how to do this business. There is no doubt about it, but you have hired coaches. You went to trainings, to masterminds. You have been incredibly involved in getting better along the way. And, um, and I, I, I wanted, you, you mentioned professionality. So I want to, I want to bring this out. We all remember Alan Iverson, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and what's Alan Iverson most remembered for it's practice. Like he didn't go to practice. He would bitch and moan about practice. You know, I don't know. He's in the same era, I guess it's like a little bit of a Kobe. He's kind of between Kobe and, and, and Jordan there, but Allen Iverson's considered like one of the, one of the most talented basketball players to ever play, except he never reached his potential. Like he just never reached his potential. But when you look at like a Jordan or a Kobe, I'm not saying they're the best guys in the world, although I think Jordan is the goat at the end of the day. Those guys were gym rats. They were just in there getting reps over and over and over again. And talk a little bit about like, why, why do you hire coaches? Like why, why has it been important for you to invest back in yourself over the years? Because I want to know what the best are doing to get where they are. So, you know, whether, you know, and, uh, you, you hear the names of the big producers like Randy Carver, like Ron Carson, like, um, you know, all these, you know, big, big time advisors, how did they get to the top? What are they doing? That is so much, you know, greater than the best, right. Um, th than the others, what makes them the best? So I think I, I want to know just, it's a, innate curiosity and, and I want to be there if they can do it, why can't I do it? But, but I kind of want to say, Hey, I'll pay whatever it takes, um, to, to kind of get better and to kind of, even if I have to steal their habits or, or make their habits my own, yeah. um, I can, you know, success leaves tracks. If they can do it, why can't I? And, and quite frankly, um, I, <laughs> I know so many advisors out there. I was at a I heard of the the conference um 
and I wasn't at it. A friend of mine was where the, it was the, it's one of the top advisors was speaking, Jim. And he said, I'm going to tell you exactly how I got here. And I'm going to tell you, you know, what I do day in and day out, you know, what my schedule looks like, how we do our business. And then one guy, he goes, well, before you get into all that, why are you going to tell us that, that you could have people that, you know, competitors could just steal your idea and they could get to where you're at. And he goes, because you're not going to do it. He goes, I could tell you the recipe to the success, but none of you have the, most of you don't have the work ethic to do it. And it's so true. It, it is. is so true. So, um, but I'm one of those people that does. I want to learn from the best. I want to get better. If my closing rate, you know, like earlier on in my career, that was one of the reasons why I uh, I, I paid for a coach is my, my closing ratio wasn't where um, I wanted it to be or expected it to be. Um, and, and quite frankly, that was, uh, some of the best money I ever spent. Who did I hire at a co as a coach, a guy who was like in the top 1% of his firm, you know? So, so I didn't hire somebody that was like a fitness trainer or th that got into like professional coaching. I hired somebody that you know, had been there, done that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's fascinating because, um, the money is so big in our industry the the earnings potential is so large that you know people get hung up on on paying a thousand dollars or five hundred five thousand dollars even ten thousand dollars i mean what is that that's one client for one year yeah <laughs> like if your closing rate is 30 percent and you can go from 30 to 32 percent I mean, I'll write as large of a check as possible because i know over a five-year period that's going to bring in like $200,000 a year of extra revenue or some version right. of that. So it's just, it's just fascinating. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's why a lot, you know, for us, you know, as entrepreneurs and, and, and kind of coaches ourselves is that that's why we formed the elite advisor lab, because, um, you know, we can take all the things we've learned and give back, which has been really, you know, really cool. And again, anybody who's interested in that, you go out to the, you can check it out in the show notes. It'll be there, but it's, um, uh, eliteadvisorlab.com and you can learn you can learn you know what greg and i are, have taught and we by the way we don't have a lot of original ideas like greg is like a machine at remembering stuff but we, we've taken like every coaching class we've went to and each other and other people and really condensed that down to some actionable stuff which i think is pretty awesome um yeah. greg Ahead, I, I have a I have a file cabinet of just all the ideas that I've taken a, any conference that I've gone to the notes the best ideas that I've just compiled and on my computer I, I've just saved and saved and saved over the years you know since 2011 I mean this isn't like you know 30 years worth of stuff but um but yeah I mean I, I can remember going to a Nick Murray conference Jim I had I had maybe three or four grand in the bank um and I paid 2500 bucks to go to Chicago to listen and answer. was that a good decision financially? I, I can't, it, it, at the, at the time it, it sounded great. So, um, I admired the guy and I thought, you know, if, if this can, if, if learning from Nick Murray and during one, Oh, that was one day, one day conference, 2,500 right. bucks. Crazy. And, and I would probably pay it again, um, because I, I got his materials. I got, you know, how to communicate with that. 65 you, 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 would, you would pay three times as much now. Cause now, now you realize the value in that. That's one client. Like, right. like you and I have shared this before, but um, 
you know, I, I like, I love learning from other advisors. The people I don't want to learn from, I do not want to lear- learn from industry gurus that failed. I don't want to learn from yep. people that inherited their books of business and now are teaching me how to build mine. I don't want to hear from failed advisors turned coaches. I want to hear from practicing advisors who are doing a great job. That's who I want to learn from. Yep. And, and, and here's the other thing. This is the other thing I admire about you. And I want you to talk about this because, um, I think this is uh, I think this is unique, and, I, and I, I recognize this in you and some of my other friends as well, is that you actually execute the ideas you learn, where execution, and you mentioned this with your person who got up on stage and said, I'm willing to share what I do because you're not going to do what I'm going to tell you anyway, so it right. doesn't matter. But you, you, I'm glad, he better be glad you weren't there. Like, right. when you execute, so, like, what? Where's that come from? Like you go and hear these, you, what, what do you do to do? How, how do you take action on the items you, you, you learn? Well, there, like, there's so many people that, you know, sit and, you know, oh, that would be a good, good idea. And, and there was an advisor in, in that, that I know personally that, uh, what do they say? Um, perfection is the enemy of success or something like that. So yeah. and, and the guy where he just, it had to be just right. And it had to be perfect. And and he was so detail oriented that just, and, and he couldn't implement it until it was exactly, and it just drove me crazy. It's like, Hey, good enough is good enough. Like let, let's, let's get the wheels going here. Um, I, I, I don't have time. Like I, I, I think it's because my eyes are on the prize and, 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 you know, whatever, if it, whether it's a marketing idea, if it, if it's something in service related to clients that I think is going to, you know, enhance what we're doing, it's like, Hey, let, let's, let's start it out. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? We can, we can learn something from it. We can learn from our mistakes. So, uh, done is better than perfect. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> so, yep. uh, it's, it's so true. It, it's so true. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's just, a. Jim, getting back to your question, I think it's just because other people drove me crazy with the just procrastination, just procrastination, and and, and um, nothing ever gets done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, done is better than perfect. There is no doubt about that. But people, you know, people have this idea that everything they do has to be perfect, and they're unwilling to take risk. They're unwilling to open themselves up to learn. And that, I, I really think again, this comes back down to. Like if you're an advisor and you're listening to this and you've always said to yourself, oh, I should be doing so much more business. I'm so much smarter and better than everybody. I bet you've never hired a coach. I bet at the end of the day, you've never hired a coach because you you really have hubris at the end of the day. Like you're you're not willing to like put yourself out there, be a little vulnerable, learn from somebody else and get better. And Greg is yeah. like a master at that, which I, I think is amazing. So Greg, how are you marketing right now? Like, what are you doing to bring clients in at this point? Well, um, a lot. So, so I do everything from, um, from podcasting. I do, um, you know, drip on people with newsletters. Um, I, I do seminars. I do, uh, something new, um, starting the end of last year, a TV show. So mass media, which is really podcasting too. Um, you know, we, we talked about smart vester. Um, we've talked about smart asset. Um, I've kind of shut off, uh, the valve on a smart asset temporarily, probably with, with my new associate advisor, we'll, we'll probably pick that up maybe later on this year. Um, client, client appreciation events is, is something that has been killer for me. Um, and I've got a whole system that I'm going to share with, um, the members of the elite advisor lab, um, which it works. I have a specialty in working with, uh, couples and women. 
Um, and, and there's a, there's a Jim, as you know, with the marketing that we do, there's a, a key reason for that, which I've learned over the years, um, to not waste my time on people that have no intention of hiring me. And I'm able to spot that now. And five, 10 years ago, I wanted the business so bad that I couldn't see through the bullshit. So, yeah, yeah we've all been there before. Yeah. So along the way, before we get in, before we get into what's next for uh, your firm and for you, um, let's talk about some of the mistakes you made along the way. What are some of the, yeah. if you had to go back in time, what are a couple of things you would have done differently? Yeah. Uh, so number one um, is, you know, in the be- in the beginning, um, you know, you, you, you talk about partnerships and oh, I'm going to team with this person and I'm going to, I'm going to do this because you know, our collective knowledge and years of experience and, um, you know, we'll be able to be better as a sum of our parts. I, um, I did that within and had verbal agreements with people. Um, and, uh, they fell through, uh, they, I, so the mistake that I made was not putting those agreements in writing. Mm. And as you know, Jim, I have a memory, like a steel trap. That's like one of my gifts, you know, a client could tell me, um, my daughter, uh, Addison is going to college at Mizzou in the fall. And I, I would remember that for the next, like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's like a, a gift or something. I'm like a, a great man. You're yeah, man. I, but just without random, numbers. Yeah. Just no, without numbers. Yeah. I, I I'm bad with numbers, but if, yeah, if you tell me just <laughs> random facts, I just remember this stuff. So anyway, getting back to it, uh, the biggest mistake is not getting agreements with, um, with other, um, advisors and people in this business. So written agreements is what you're talking about. Like if you're going to, if you're going to team, if you're going to join, if you're going to get it, you're going to buy a book or you're going to do anything that is going to, in it gonna share clients or create revenue or take revenue away. Have it in writing is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because any any agreement worth having is worth having in writing. Because what happens is is people forget they said this or they said that, and um, well, things changed and now we got it. It's like, well, you know, what it ends up being is someone didn't follow through on their end of the the agreement. Yeah. And and what what that means is. People the on the other side of the table, people get screwed. That's just plain and simple what happens. So um, if you're gonna have these, you know, partnerships, agreements, you know, teams, whatever it is, just put it in writing. And if the person is not willing to put it in writing, that tells you a lot right there. Well, they, right, you know, right. They're full of shit. Yeah, they, they, if they're not willing to put it in writing, they they're they're not planning on keeping their word. Right. Like this is just it just legally binds you to keeping your word. That's all. Um right. what, what's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, um, so (laughs) yeah, nothing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, any listeners out there, get your agreements in writing. It really, um, the biggest mistake I've made. Number two, um, as far as the investments, um, go, um, and, and we've talked about this on, on prior podcasts. I, I was, I was at a time in the business when I entered this business, I was looking around at all the advisors, you know, in the office and, and, and what I could take from them, what I could learn, what were they doing as far as portfolio management? And um, I should have looked the other way. I should have looked back at my finance textbooks because they they were chasing the tactical management. I mean, this, yeah. this was after, this is 2009, 10, and 11, right? So they were looking for the magic bullet, so to speak, the the tactical management, the active yeah. management. Well, sure, because, because every one of their clients have just gotten their clocks cleaned and did not want to go through it again. Like they- right. 
that was every investor's biggest fear. I can't go through that again. So right. the whole world was trying to look at algorithms and back testing and all the other BS that was out there around this, right? Yeah. And alternative investments, managed futures, all this kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. And and man, if if I would have not listened to all that nonsense. Um, so that was that's probably mistake number two that that still kind of haunts me, um, if you will. But that was just kind of a sign of the times, you know, coming out of you know the greatest recession since the Great Depression, really. Yeah, you know, um I, I fell in the same trap. We have such a similar path in a lot of ways that it's always uh it's always fun to talk about this. But I, I was the same way. I would I would spend I would go to conferences and talk to all of these tactical money managers because I, I thought for sure somebody had to have a better mouse trap. Eventually I figured it out that, that didn't exist. But it, right. it's one of these ways you just waste time in a big way. And I got some great advice. I've mentioned this on the show before, but I think it's worth mentioning again from this from an advisor who'd been in the business a lot longer than me. He says, Jim, don't ever do things you might have to apologize for. And wow. And I thought about that for a couple minutes. You know, it took me a while to figure out what that meant. But like, you know, if you use like if you use things that could lose all of their value, you use private placement REITs or you use tactical BS that doesn't perform the way it wants it's supposed to, you might have to apologize for that because that's that was on you. If you use a, a passive index allocation based on modern portfolio theory, it's the market. Right. <laughs> you don't have to you don't we don't have to apologize for the market. It's not our problem. It's not our fault. It's just right. the market. Yeah. And, uh, you know, put together, we do the best we can. We diversify all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, dollar cost average. But, um, and along that same vein, Jim, is earlier on in my career, the people that would, and I, we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, uh, the people that would talk to me, of course, were the wholesalers. They were more than willing to share their knowledge, which is a bunch of crap. I shouldn't have listened to them. But with that, I spent hours and hours going to, they would buy me lunch, they'd take me for <laughs> drinks, they'd do all this stuff. And I should have been using that time out prospecting. I shouldn't have been talking to those clowns. Yeah. So, so now, you know, if you look at my business, now, um, I pay for all my lunches and, and things like that. Um, I meet with about, I don't know, two wholesalers a, a year in, you know, face to face. And, um, uh, you know, if, if I need to speak with any on the phone, I've got their number. So, yeah. um, I just think of all those wasted hours. That was a mistake. And I, and I know so many advisors, they, they want to talk to their mutual fund wholesaler or whatever. It's like, you're wasting your freaking time. You, yeah. you want to realize why, why Jim's doing 10 times the business as you. Cause he's not, he's not wasting his time with wholesalers. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't met with one in, I don't know, seven or eight years. Wow. Like I had no desire. What, what can they offer me? Golf balls. That's it. I, and I, I, you know, I'd love to have the golf balls. So if a wholesaler is listening, you want to send those golf balls, you know, knock yourself out. I'll give it to my junior guys and, or not my junior, but my associate team members. And they'll, they'll just love those. And I know the other, um, the other one you mentioned offline, Greg was that, you know, be careful who you take advice from. So, yeah. and I think, I think you and I both fell in that trap um of you know you you listen to people sometimes who you you think have all the answers but a lot of times the the loudest mouth in the room isn't the person doing the most business or has the answer so it's the person that has the time on their hands to right right <laughs> so, to speak up and uh yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I listen to people, you know, how do I grow my business? It's, it's, well, I, and I went to conferences. Well, you got to do it through referrals and it's like, okay, what if I don't have any clients? So right. referrals are, 
are off the table. Um, so my my marketing plan should not be, you know, in, in the first five years in your business should not rely 90% on getting referrals from clients that you don't have. I mean, that's that's common sense. Um, but centers of influence. I wasted a ton of time on on centers of influence and trying to develop those relationships of people that, you know, quite frankly, a lot of them were not successful themselves. So what I have found over my career is you're going to get referrals from centers of influence who talk to a lot of people and are successful. The ones that are lazy bums that have, you know, businesses that are struggling. Don't be shocked if you don't get any referrals from those people. Exactly right. right. Yeah. You know, look, the the, uh, center of influence who's willing to take an hour of the out of their time and talk to somebody who's 22 years old and brand new in the business is probably not the person that's successful. Like, right. Like they're <laughs> like, they're right. just, they're just you, but in a different job. Yeah. So, so this is great. Thank you for sharing. You know, I think it's always important. People, people sometimes don't want to talk about what went wrong. They just want to talk about what went right. And, uh, you know, I know, I know we really, I, I really appreciate that on our podcast that we're actually willing to talk about where we've made mistakes because we're going to make more. Um, so, so Greg, you know, you kind of laid out your vision uh, of what got you there, where you're at today. And, and I really want to hear what's next for your firm. What, what do you, what are you planning to do over the next three to five years. Yeah. So, so my plan is, you know, kind of as the business has grown and evolved, it's, it's, it's sharing the vision with the team members. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, we as business owners, a lot of business owners out there, they, the vision doesn't come across. It is not understood and and you don't get buy-in from your team members. And I think that's a huge mistake. So you've you've got to get buy-in from people. You've got to let the team numbers, the team members let the vision be known. Um, and um, so that that's kind of what's next is developing this the this vision and the brand. So I have always been about building a brand where people are coming to us. So with referrals, hey, they're 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 coming to the brand, they're not coming just to Greg. Yeah. And, or they're not coming to, I, I never wanted to help, you know, like one of these, I've, I've never been a, um, you know, on sales quotas or any of that stuff. I've only been, you know, independent. Right. So, and that was always kind of my goal is I want to build, build, build this brand. This something, this, this vision that I'm, that I'm, um, that I have in my head instead of helping to build another brand that could be tarnished by someone. Like if I worked for an insurance company or something like that, you know, well, this, this stagecoach is a great example. We won't name the names, but you know, there's, you're right. Like you, that that's fascinating. You say that. And it's, uh, it's, it, it should kind of walk people through. Like sometimes if you're, if you're an employee advisor, there's absolutely 100% nothing wrong with that. That's probably a good place for a lot of people to land because being a business owner is not always easy. You're wearing a lot of different hats, but, um, but no, always know that you are tied to that brand. And if they screw that brand up, you're tied to it. And, you know, people that work for certain brands through the financial crisis and through TARP and through credit card fraud, they had to answer these questions constantly. I just can't imagine how hard that was. So when you're, when you're going to build this out, you're going to explain it to your team. Like how how are you going to create buy-in from the team? How are you going to get them on board with your vision? I think by, um, kind of, you know, laying out, you know, this is, this has kind of been the history. Um, this is, this is again, um, this is what I have. This is what I have in my mind. Um, this, this is what has worked so far, but also, Getting buy-in by 
by saying, I am open to ideas. I want you to be a part of this vision as well. So if you see areas of improvement, speak up because this is, this is, you're a part of this as well. And, and I, I value your opinion. And everybody here has has different skills and different backgrounds, and um, and they're going to see something that maybe I'm overlooking, and vice versa. So making them a part of the the process and the vision as well, not just saying, "Hey, this is it." Uh, you either buy in, kind of like what Elon Musk did. It's <laughs> you either buy in or get the heck out. Yeah. And you know what? Sixty or seventy percent of people on Twitter got laid off. So um, I'm. That that's my thoughts anyway, Jim. What what about you? What you know? I know you've got a bigger team than me. How how do you let the vision be known to your team members? And and of course they have different you know positions within the firm. Yeah. Um. But what's been the challenge? What's what's uh? Well, I think you the the biggest challenge is getting the right people on in the in the right seat, right? So hiring a a talent. You know, we talk about that all the time, and I mean that sincerely. Like if you don't have awesome people on your team. You you are gonna you you're just gonna have to fight this uphill battle the rest of your career. It is just absolutely not worth it. It's better to overpay people than underpay them. It's better to find great talent than mediocre talent. Whatever you got to do to get them on the bus. And then once you're there, I think you're right. You share your vision and you financially compensate them in that way. So they they they're part of it, and you hear their voices and you let them know there's a path forward. And you know. Some and this is hard. You know, sometimes you've got to be honest with people. You know, you gotta you gotta say, you know, we're not getting smaller today. We're as small as we're ever gonna be, and you, you've got you've got to make a decision if if you're okay with that because we're going to continue to grow. It's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to get bigger, but I want you to know along the way, it's going to be incredibly rewarding, not only just professionally but financially. So. You know, I, I think that's, I think get it, that's how you get the buy-in, um, you know, and it's hard. Like, let, let's be really honest. This is, this is the other thing. I, I, I one time visited an advisor and he like drove up in his Ferrari, right? Like, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And he had this beautiful, you know, he had like this, this $5,000 suit on and, you know, like his, his employees are driving up in like just jalopies, man, like, like terrible vehicles. And I'm, and I asked him, I'm like, what do you pay? You know, I, I eventually I get to him, like, what do you pay your team? He's like, oh, I pay him as little as I can. And I'm like, you know, and you, you ask him, then I get in like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I kind of was, try, I knew what the answer was going to be. So I just let him like, you know, what's it, what, what's, you know, what's your turnover and his turnover. He, you know, this guy was an incredible sales guy, but a terrible manager, right? Like they're, they're, they're two separate things. That doesn't serve anybody's purpose. Like you can't show up in like a five hundred thousand dollar car and then pay your people ten dollars an hour. Like that's that's a terrible leader. You got to be a leader here. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. I've been on the ten dollar an hour side. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. But... Like, and you know you're doing like a huge amount of the work to make this happen. So I don't know. Just for me, I would say I would say as you're building it out, Greg, I would just I'd bring people along with your vision, but and also, but don't. Don't thank their owners either. Like you're the entrepreneur, you're the owner, you're the shot caller and decision maker, but you got to listen to their voices and take them for what they're worth. And, and, you know, my team has great ideas. A lot of times I, I have a great team. I love them. I hope they never leave me. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that's really important, but I'm, I'm so excited for what you've built and, um, and where you're going, especially with your new, your new advisor you're bringing on. I mean, I just think it's going to, I think it's, I think you've bought time back in your life at a, at a pretty, a pretty inexpensive rate, all things considered. So 
So, so Greg, any, any kind of last thoughts, anything you want to share about your, your story, your vision, your business? Yeah. I, um, what, what are the reasons for my success? And, and believe me, I, I think I have modest success. I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm not trying to, um, you know, think I'm better than anybody else, but, but where I, I do think, um, is, is I'll work harder than, than anybody. Uh, maybe not as hard as Jim, but I'll work harder than Brad. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, no, but, you work, but you work harder than me now. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so that, that, you know, um, effort, 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 that's, uh, that, that's, that's kind of what it, what it, took to get me here. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of trial and error along the way. Again, we talked about coaching. That was, that's been huge. I I've been a member of, uh, several mastermind groups. Um, a couple of them have folded and some of them have continued, but the other thing is, you know, developing a marketing plan and sticking with it. Um, that has been huge because you can set goals, but if you don't have a plan to accomplish those goals, how the hell are you ever going to accomplish, you know, how are you ever going to make it happen? Right. So, um, and, and the other thing is the, the past couple of years is accountability. This is a lonely business. That's yeah. the one thing I have, I have learned over the years and it's, it's incredibly lonely. And, and maybe in, you know, if, if we had a bigger firm here and there were, you know, a lot of advisors that, you know, maybe the wirehouses or something like that, maybe you've got account more accountability than, um, than, than maybe I have. So I've had to go out and find account accountability partners like, like Jim and, and like what we're trying to do with the elite advisor lab. And I think that's going to be continue to be incredibly powerful. Um, not that we need to be comparing ourselves to anybody else and their success, but the accountability partners can, can, Hey, how are you doing on your goals? How, how's, how's this quarter going? Do you need help with anything? That kind of thing. Um, Get the accountability partners will help you reach your full potential. No doubt. That's, that's yeah. It. Yeah. And, and look, this is an individual journey. There's no doubt about that. Like nobody should be comparing themselves to other people. You're, you're trying to beat your goals, but sometimes having accountability, whether that's again, whether that's weight loss, whether that's working out, whether that's uh, w whatever it is in life, it's a big deal. That's why they, they, there's a lot of science behind accountability partners. And Greg, I want to um, I want to thank you um, for really diving into your business. It's it's a fascinating business for me. I mean, I think uh, I think I think if you went out and asked nine out of ten advisors, they would rather model uh, your success as opposed to mine relative to the number of clients and what you're building. And I, I, I love that about, like, I love that about uh, this podcast and what we're doing. I love this about the elite advisor lab where, you know, people will have access to you and your success, Brad and his amazing success uh, myself and my modest success. I think, I think there's going to be opportunities for people to kind of pick and choose the best parts of Greg's practice and the best parts of mine and the best parts of Brad's and then take them and deploy them into their own businesses. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing, you want to connect with uh, any of us uh, and learn about where we're at, go out to the uh, eliteadvisorlab.com. Again, that's eliteadvisorlab.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the uh, podcast today. Um, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. 
Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.